0: Answering your tough financial questions for the past 26 years. It's Allworth's Money Matters with co-hosts Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401Ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Glad you are here with us today as we're talking about financial matters. Myself and my co-host here, are both practicing financial advisors. Certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant, uh, rough, been doing this roughly 30 years, helping people have some financial security in their life, get to the point where work is an option, not an obligation. And I like think most of our clients, it's really about helping them get to that point and then helping them uh, navigate through the financial markets throughout the remaining time of their life.
1: So, the uh, Scott, I had this conversation with my wife earlier in the week about how... So been doing it almost 30 years. How my job and my relationship with my clients has kind of changed over the last 30 years working with, it came up because I had met with a client that had been with us for 26, 27 years. And when we were talking, I realized, you know, I started working with this gentleman when he was 53 and he's 80 today. And the things that were a concern to him at fifty-three. Yeah, different today. <laughs> yes, are much different than at eighty. And my my interaction, and this doesn't just speak to me. I think it speaks to all good advisors. The interaction with the client used to just be the advisor and the client, and then it turns into the advisor and the client and the client's family, oftentimes adult children, and how to manage uh, through this yep. aging yeah. process. Um, and some people have a really easy journey as they get
0: older, and um, and I just found out a week I had a kind of a f- in law of a, of a family member passed away at eighty-eight in her sleep, and she was relatively
1: healthy up until that time.
0: And I thought a nice way to go out. That's a great way to go, I mean,
1: right? And then others, it's yeah. it's, it's hard, and yeah. and the, you know, in the financial planning, you know, be good or be a bad plays a role in an often often Awful lot of this. Yeah, so if you've listened to this program for a while, you know we talk some about the financial markets.
0: We talk about tools and strategies to help people with their finances to have some financial independence. Uh, but it's really also about the planning. One, it's trying to help. One, it's building the financial plan around what it is that you're trying to accomplish in life, what's important to you in life, and then having a plan such that when, when life happens, that you've got a plan in place that will help Navigate yeah. through those times.
1: A high probability of success in, in meeting your goals yeah. and what will happen in life. Yeah, that's a good one.
0: We always look for the highest probability of success.
1: Right.
0: And- in the, You know, part look, the reason wh- we talk about mean? diversified portfolios, diversified portfolios will give you the highest probability of an outcome as opposed to trying to bet everything on one particular type of investment.
1: Which actually, by the way- uh, doing that is a strategy to concentrate into single sectors or single company stocks, but the risk uh, associated with it is oftentimes just too much. It's just it, it's it's that's why yeah. diversification just helps you get to the end. So we'll take calls here in a few moments. Eight three three
0: ninety nine Worth is the number. Eight three three triple nine six seven eight four. But we can't uh, have the show today without at least mentioning the volatility. The down days on the market. And a, just a couple things to, uh, to make note. One, as the indexes climb higher and higher, a 1,000-point a swing means less and less. As a percentage. As a percentage. And what do you really care about? Percentages. Percentage. Well, you care about your dollars. That's really what you care about, right? <laughs> What's the value of something? And so we see these tremendous swings, but we still you know, had a pretty big pullback. Um, with the markets, and, you know, I'm here talking to someone, wow, the markets are doing terrible, and I, I kind of looked at them, I thought, I mean, here's, my my oldest daughter lives, uh, she's in uh, grad school in Denver, so it goes to DU, uh, second year there, it's about to graduate, and it snows in the wintertime in Denver. Not a lot, not like you know, living up in the mountains, but they get some snowstorms, and if you look at 365 days a year, the vast majority are sunny days in Denver, but you get a handful of days where it snows. And if every time it snowed, she was shocked. Oh, my gosh. What in the world's happening with the weather? Why, why is it snowing? People would think she's a little crazy. Yes. But the financial markets, here's the reality. If you look back roughly the last 100 years, in any 12-month period, we should expect a 14% decline. In any 12-month period? And in any 12-month period. How about every three-year period, what should we expect? Well, about every three and a half years, we have a, a year with a negative returns on the markets. So when you've got a time where the market's fallen 5-whatever percent, right, It's this, this is very normal. Now, the coronavirus is some new virus we, who knows what's going to happen and yeah. it, no one likes uncertainty in the future and the concern is of course this is going to cause the economy to come to a screeching halt and
1: um but it will have an effect on the economy there's no question uh, right how, how long nobody knows right how deep nobody knows right it, it is quite frankly but it, we didn't see any
0: any any impact until this week that's that's right The markets kept pushing higher. And as a matter of fact, on previous shows we talked about, even with the coronavirus, the market continues to go higher. Nobody seems to care.
1: So this too shall pass. Of course it will. Right? This too shall pass. Met with some clients. They've been clients for 27 years. Through the dot-com. Through the dot-com. And they said, what about the coronavirus? And I said, let's just talk about how (laughs) long we've been together (laughs) and why your portfolio has done what it's done since you've met me. It isn't me. It's as much you not reacting to the market. That's exactly right. And making sure that the portfolio was appropriate before the markets fell, not after, which is why you actually rebalance a portfolio on a regular basis to make sure that you know what you own and why you own it.
0: did, Did cash in the bank fall in value last week?
1: No, no, but did it go up last
0: year? No, but no, of course <laughs> not. What I'm, so part of it is really saying cash that you need today for this week, this month, this year, the next few years, the next five years maybe should not be in stocks whatsoever, because who knows when the coronavirus is going to end, right? And
1: and I don't believe that they'll ring a bell and say it's okay, over. I know,
0: when I said right? But,
1: no, no, but but who knows when it's uh, the people when the marketplace is going to quit paying attention yes, to it when it becomes a non
0: event yeah and there'll be some other event in the future
1: yes there'll
0: be other bad news once this is over and yeah. we'll have other downturns in the market so oftentimes financial advisors like us the reason we talk about having diversified portfolio and having what we like to call asset allocation which is a fancy term for just saying how to what what areas do we put our money we have money in in By owning companies, because over the long term, history has shown that you get the greatest return when you are an owner of a company, like owning stocks, owning the S&P 500 index, those portfolios, the 500 largest companies in the United States, for example. Over time, they do very well. But in a short period of time, it's anyone's guess. So if you're going – if you are currently well diversified and you've got money not that – Anything you need to spend in the next five years is not locked up in the stock market. Well, you're fine. Who cares what's going on? Yeah.
1: And in fact, if the markets go much lower, it may make sense for you to actually buy, buy a little more. More. And you're like, well, why would I buy more of what just things fell are on and sale? Home? And a well diversified portfolio means that you change the diversification in terms of you reallocate based on your models on a regular basis.
0: You know, I, the, earlier in, the, early in this week, um, we had a board meeting on Monday. The Dow—Tuesday, uh, excuse me. The Dow was off 1,000 points or so on on Monday. The end of the day, we put together—I'm being very transparent here. <laughs> so the end of the day, we put together a video for our clients.
1: Or the people that subscribe to our— you No, know, I, think it's, for our, just the I think it's for our clients. Okay.
0: Our clients and uh, an article from our chief investment officer talking about—this is after Monday, Monday afternoon— uh, with the plan I'm being very transparent here the plan was for that to go out that evening. it went out on Tuesday morning instead Tuesday was another down day in the market and frankly, I was a little ticked off at our marketing team like why didn't you get this thing out uh, well, I want to and the markets were off and I'm in this our board meeting and a board member was was uh, he says y- you're, you're, he says you're not frustrated that the market's off again today, but you're frustrated about th-. I said I have no I said I don't get I don't worry about things I don't have any control over. I can't control the markets. I can control how well of a job we can do communicating with our clients. And this is where it didn't go out, you know, a few hours late getting it out. I was a little frustrated about that. But um, That's interesting. I thought it was in, and I thought about it afterwards. I'm thinking I'm thinking why are you worried about them? These are the it's just yeah. like snowing in Denver in the winter. I mean, it happens. It's gonna happen. Yeah. Anyway. There was a long little uh, intro on it.
1: Yeah, actually, but, so uh so uh it's kind of like when
0: yeah every I, time the markets fall, people it's the same people what's going know. on with the market what's gonna uh, well, it was, well,
1: It's if it, if they didn't it's human nature. If well if they didn't fall over a period of time for short periods of time, it would be disturbing. Because then it would appear to be a risk free investment, uh, which means that's that right. It would just and by our nature, we are
0: designed as humans to um, avoid danger, yeah. right? And when things are—when it's it's perceived danger, we run away. When the lions come into attack, we hide in the cave. Whatever, right? That's how we are—our whole history, that's what how we are designed. That's what's kept us surviving. Avoid danger. And it feels— when we have our retirement pro- portfolio, our life savings, when we've got a big chunk of it allocated to something like owning the great companies of the United States and when they fall in value, it can feel dangerous. It can feel like this loss is going to derail my retirement. Things aren't going to be the same for me. What a- And we can start going through our minds, play out this scenario. What happens if the coronavirus takes over the world and my, port- my whole life savings is wiped out? And so the individual investors historically have not done nearly as well as the overall markets because they make poor choices. They react to their emotions. They view these short-term declines as permanent and they take what would have been a short-term decline in their life savings and they sell at bad times and make those short-term declines a permanent destruction of their life savings.
1: But Scott, at the same time, that's you describe the the fear side of someone's emotions, yes. but we see exactly the opposite in over exuberant markets where there doesn't appear to be any well, risk. That's exactly which is right. the greed side. So we all. Whether like I, I, mean, we, I never really like the word greed because it's okay. it's overused and.
0: Well, we want to get we 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 don't want we don't want to miss out. We want to if we can get. Okay an all opportunity right,
1: I, to make some money i'm trying to think of a different word but for either. lack of a different word it's uh, not as much greed as that i i i it's time to make money and i'm going to do it there and go. there is no risk and we all have those emotions you fight with like you know yes. fear of missing out yes and fear of loss
0: and what can happen when markets are going up like for example last year 2019 strong year for the market Things go higher and higher. People kind of forget that they go down in value. They over overweight. They're, they suddenly have money that they're going to be used to pay for their property taxes sitting in some hot ETF.
1: And sometimes people overweight their own uh, prowess or intellect. Oh, in, always, yes. In, anyway, <clears throat> let's go
2: to the calls. So, Before we start
1: insulting that, all of our no, listeners. No, no, no.
2: So he,
0: this, this is a good opportunity to step back and say – because. Who knows when this is going to end? What we do know, the last 20 years, we had two times when the stock market fell by roughly 50 percent. One during the dot-com boom, down 45 percent bust. The other during the financial crisis, down 56 percent, somewhere in there. Big declines. One should expect a similar decline in the next decade or two. We hope. At least hope it doesn't happen. I hope it doesn't
1: happen, but you One should be should prepared. One
0: should definitely expect a 20 or a 30% decline because right, those certainly, are very normal.
1: Most certainly. A 50% decline is that's pretty – That's nasty. That's okay. pretty bad. Well,
0: but, 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 if you, but if you plan for that and you have your portfolio allocated such that w- the worst kind of storm comes, you're still going to be
1: fine. And you're not taking too much income from it.
0: And you what you don't want to do is react to the first time something happens – that that's the that's the that's the the challenge of being an investor. And frankly, you know, we've been doing this long enough, Pat, and you, I st- some of the greatest value that I personally think that I've brought to people that I've worked with over the last 25, 30 years is keeping them from making mistakes from which they cannot recover. Either getting too much in too risky assets when things are looking good or selling out when things are down or buying products that were absolutely inappropriate. Or buying the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah. Happens all the time. All right. So we'll take some calls. 833-99-WORTH is the number. 833-99-WORTH. We are in South Carolina with Mark. Mark, you with All Worth's Money Matters.
2: Gentlemen, how are we doing? I appreciate you taking my call. Big fan of you guys Listen to you every week. Oh, good. Thank uh, you. I, I kind of need more of It's more of an opinion than a question. So, I'm looking at buying a second rental property. I just bought my first one last year. Uh, kind of under your advisement, I called into the show, and you guys kind of walked me through it. So I moved forward with the one last year, and it worked out great. Got a great runner in there. It's going really well. So I'm looking to buy another one. My fear is liquidating a big chunk of my emergency fund to do this. So I want to know if should I keep my emergency fund sitting in cash, so well in let's the rental
1: property? No, no, so so remember right remember it's an asset that you're buying that's producing an income so there's, there's a renter in there yeah and the decision you made last year may have been the right one to purchase that Particular property at that time. At that time, it may not make sense. So, before we talk about the funding of the particular rental property, tell us about what the economics of the of this particular rental will look like.
2: So, let me tell you. Let me. I'm already under contract. So, I went under contract on it yesterday. Um, it's a, a hundred thousand dollar condo. Uh, rent mortgage all in will be about nine hundred. I can potentially get about thirteen hundred a month in rent.
0: So how much, how much are you putting down and how big is the mortgage?
2: Uh, 15, percent Um, so I'll carry about an $86,000 mortgage, put 15% down, um, out of pocket with closing costs can be right around $20,000. I have about 30,000 in cash.
1: How much money do you make?
2: Uh, about 130 a year. And how old are you? 46, divorced, two kids.
1: And lines, uh, what, how much equity do you have in either your primary residence or your rental property?
2: So my primary residence, it's worth about four hundred. I owe two eighty-seven. The rental property is worth uh, one twenty. I owe ninety-five on
1: it. And what's the interest rate on the primary? Three
2: point seven five.
1: And is it a fifteen or thirty-year fixed?
2: Thirty-year fixed.
0: Is this is this condo in this this rental property in the same area as your other rental property?
2: Yes, it is. Right. Probably 10 miles away.
1: So this is what I think I would do. You owe 287.
0: How much do you have in your 401k?
2: I got about 460 in my 401k. I have 25 in an IRA. I have 21 in a brokerage account. Okay. And you
1: said you owe 287 on this. Is this
0: a particular good deal on this? I
2: I think it is. Yes. And based off the area and the demographics and school district, um, and it's the cheapest and the most affordable place in that area.
0: And the gross rent on
1: this is how much per
2: month? About not rent about thir- I should get about thirteen hundred. So
1: it's so it's probably going to be pretty close to break even. No, because what because you, your mortgage yeah.
0: is
2: nine hundred.
1: He said nine hundred all in, yeah. but then you know deferred maintenance. How old's the condo?
2: It's nineteen eighty, so thirty years old.
0: And yeah. so you've nine hundred includes your condo dues, right?
2: That's everything. Everything. Taxes, they keep, they keep the so roof up. And all that so stuff. it's four hundred. So
1: it's forty-eight hundred dollars a year. The Delta difference between the two. So um, the- what you need
0: to worry. Here's the things you need to worry about. One, uh, the rent it being vacant for a few months. Correct. Two, a bad renter in there that thrashes the mm-hmm. place. Correct. Um, and just normal. Uh, that you know- and third, I mean, look, look, if we have another major downturn. And,
1: but he, and but he's gonna, pretty, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, you're pretty. So you said you owe 287 on your primary residence. I mean, you've res, done a nice job saving in your 401k. How much, how much is your primary residence worth?
2: About 400. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I,
1: I, I, uh, I wouldn't worry about the, um, the and I think cash. I would think I
2: less
0: of, of emergency reserve. I would look at, so now you're going to own two rentals. One is some emergency reserve for your own personal family. If you, something happens, you can't work for a few months or whatever. But uh reserve for these
1: investments such that times when Yeah, ten or fifteen thousand dollars sitting aside so that if it stays empty yes. for a period of time or if you need to do a major well, remodel or roof repair or anything like that.
2: And I have that, but that's also my emergency fund for my family. Yeah. I, so we're we're my just job. But my sit- other thing is that I have so my backup plan is I have twenty thousand dollars sitting in mutual funds, brokerage accounts that's exactly and on retirement that's, that I could access that's, if I need
1: That's it. That's why that's why we're that's why we're we're saying go for and you may have a loan provision on your four oh one K that you hope not to use, but that you no, could use no, if you needed to. And, and by the way, we are we discourage loans on 401Ks, but based upon your age and what a good saver you are, it, it, it wouldn't, wouldn't. And is this a 30-year loan or a 15-year loan?
2: It'll be a 30. Yeah, it'll be a 30.
1: So I was originally thinking that maybe he should refinance out of his primary residence into this, but there's not enough room in there to do that. Yeah. Um, and the rate's pretty that. good. Yeah, um, I thought about that. Yeah, but you could split the difference if you could lower the rate on your uh on your primary residence by uh yeah, cuz a, a half a percent, then take some as much cash out of that as you possibly can and then get a small loan on the on the condo. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the difference there He may never get his primary residence paid off if that's
2: the So, in and, and the challenge the,
0: the 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 thing is now you're you may are you taking a
1: standard deduction or you're itemizing still? oh, you are okay. So anyway, we we uh, I wouldn't worry about the, you know, you're going to save back up the liquid cash and your okay. emergency reserve in on. a relatively short period of time, and you have a brokerage account, and there's a good chance that you have a loan. Now there might on your 401k. There,
0: there might be some advisors out there. there like Dave Ramsey is quite well known. I have respect for what he he does, and he helps a lot of people. Yeah. It's it's very ba- he calls it baby steps right so yeah, it's yeah. very basic financial planning but if you follow his advice you are not going to get hurt right which is about getting out of debt paying off your house you will not get hurt um, it's not necessarily it's not clearly not the only way to build financial independence so I look at you Mark you're 46 you're divorced which is always a disaster financially somehow yeah. you're still doing okay right. So you've got yep. equity in your home. You've got roughly half a million dollars saved towards your retirement. It's pretty dang good at 46. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I don't know. Rental property. You've got a good career, which is your best investment. S- stable income. So I have personally have no problem with you. And I think you do this by 20 years from now. This condo kind of will Presumably, continue to increase in value. The loan That's balance is going to get smaller. The rents are going to increase. It's a it, you'll turn it into a stream of it'll income. It'll be a nice income
1: when you when you retire. Just part
2: of my retirement portfolio yeah. Yeah. for my kids. And, yep, yep, and yep, yep, um, yep. I had a quick another quick question, and this might be a dumb one, but what is the repercussions for over contributing to your four hundred one k?
0: You got to pull it back out, or there's a fifty percent penalty. Yeah,
2: but normally does that include uh, employer contributions?
0: Uh, well, employer uh, contributions, so you can – the maximum contributions are fifty some odd 1000 dollars. Employee, employee contributions are limited to uh, 18000 bucks or something like that for 2000 And um.
2: and, so, and, I, and,
1: yeah. and driven by age. And every plan is a little bit different because they have what's called a discrimination testing on plans. So we could tell you what the numbers are, and your plan might be completely different based upon discrimination testing.
2: But should I do anything about I over-contributed in 19 by, like, 1000 thousand, two thousand $2,000. Should I worry about it? Did, Last year you did? Yeah.
1: Did, didn't, did the plan notify you?
2: No. How how do you know you over-contributed, then? Because I was looking at my statements and in, in going into December, and I was going to get a big bonus check in December, so I cut my contribution rate down and I ended up still going over. And did you, know, you go in— did it go in right.
1: on, on an after tax basis?
2: Yeah. After tax no, we're in pre-tax.
0: Yeah, so you can only 19 it was 19,000 for 2019, 19,005. Then that you got the dollars need to come out. I'm surprised yeah. they haven't. You're, yeah. Normally the,
1: the plan
2: would catch normally fidelity. I think they have through to. Fidelity. So it's through Fidelity. I'm, okay. Well, I'm well, just
1: that, normally. So call the plan administrator and ask yeah. them uh You got to get it out. Yeah. Ask the plan administrator to kick it back Even
2: to you. Even that little bit of money, they will be taxed at 50%. Well, you know, I think they'll yeah. ca- they're going to catch it. Yeah, but
1: you don't have they to roll. do it, and you could roll the dice. Yeah, because it's, it's going to be on your W-2.
2: So I can just pull that money out? Then, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yes, yes, correct, correct, correct. If if you've yeah. overfunded the plan, normally it's the other way around, where the plan contacts you and says, yeah, here's a check.
2: No. no, never had that, so. Yeah, I yeah. to look into it. All right. Yeah, you do yeah. need to look into it. You can't. That's
1: yeah. one of those
0: things. They'll they'll, they'll eventually catch it. What you don't want to do is have this go on and then pay penalties for uh, years. As time goes, yeah. I, and frankly, whether they're going to catch it or not, that's two thousand dollar mistake. That's that's material. And I'm always kind of I don't. The last thing I want is the to worry about the IRS coming back after me for anything. So when you when you find out you made a mistake somewhere, you fix my, it. But fix it. I mean, just <laughs> life's going to go better.
1: Yeah, fix it.
0: Fix it. I mean, we've seen people. Oh. <laughs> see <him> fight, <laughs> I tell fight fight you stories. 10, 15 oh, years. Oh, my. Yeah. See them
1: fight with the IRS. Oh, gosh.
0: All right. We're going to take a quick break here. We'll come back. We'll uh, take some more calls. Uh, you're listening to All Worth's Money Matters. If you want to be part of the program, 833-99-WORTH. This is Scott Hansen and Pat McClain, All Worth's Money Matters. Welcome back to All Worth's Money Matters, Scott Hansen, Pat McLean. Glad you are with us on this uh, great weekend day. Of course, if you're listening to it uh, through our radio program, or if you listen to our podcast, um, we appreciate that as well. Let's uh, go to the calls here. We're talking with John in Northern California. John, you're with All Worth's Money Matters.
3: Ah, well, thank you for taking my call. I was hoping you could give me some insight on a uh, little bit of a problem I'm having uh, due to my extreme negligence okay.
0: <laughs> by the way we've all uh, well, we've delayed. all made money mistakes delayed. we've all made money mistakes so
3: well here it boils down to this in the mid-90s my father a great proponent of the stock market uh gave each of his three kids 25 shares of coca-cola stock and along with uh each of his six grandkids uh 20 shares and I was going to say, um, my children were underage at the time, so it was under cust- custodial yep. control for me under the Minors Act.
0: And were you the custodian? Correct. Okay. And,
3: again, this is back in i 90s. He's <to mid-90s>. <laughs> I've, I've, I've. Well, I just put it away, and uh, we had dividend reinvestment. Okay. And I haven't done anything other than each year uh give the dividend amount for taxes. Okay. I am now my kids this is the embarrassing part. My kids are almost 40. Okay. And it's still under this custodial uh account. Okay. And I'm trying to change it now. Uh-huh. And I've got to do go through the the trying to change names. My daughter's married name. However.
0: Uh, a question question really quick. Are, are the stocks held at what's called the transfer agent like the the company, the organization that Coca-Cola has hired to keep track of their stock. So it's in a dividend reinvestment plan through Coca-Cola's transfer agent, or is it held at an independent custodian like Charles Schwab or Fidelity or TD or one of those?
3: No, it's, it, they have a company called Computer Share. Yeah, Share, Yep. And um, so uh, it it just boils down. I'm trying to change it and get it through. And I, uh, when I call and try to get information, of course, they try to say that uh, I could have an account representative, but uh-huh. they charge like 50 or $80 to do it, and I hate to <laughs> okay. uh, cut into their dividend profit, that type of thing. But it really boils down to, oh, and I should say that uh, shortly after my, my dad did this, he did pass on. Okay. So my question is, is I'm trying to find out uh, they've got a box that i have to check and it's listed either private sale gift inheritance
0: gift not and, an inheritance
3: and so it's a gift
0: yeah and,
3: and the reason the
1: difference I... is when it's gifted you're scott can we stop for one second here for a second what is the basis in all of this today and what's what's the value today and what's mean? the value and what's your tax cost basis well the cost
0: basis is almost nothing because nobody's
1: they... well, dividend reinvestment the whole time oh, yeah. now okay So, do you know what the cost basis is in this? What's the
0: value of twenty five? What what's it worth for each kid? What's the value for each kid? Let's see.
3: For today, today, yeah, at today's rate,
1: yeah, sure. Today, tomorrow, the next.
3: (laughs) If you knew tomorrow, if you
1: knew tomorrow's rate, that would be a better number for me. (laughs) What's the rate? What's the value?
3: The the, they're saying that the the total value is about thirty three hundred dollars. Okay. $3,500. The 20 shares have now up to in the mid-60s. And okay. Th- th- so it's it dividend ab- reinvestment.
1: And it's worth about $3,500. Do you know what your cost basis or tax basis in this $3,500 is?
3: Okay. Well, I know that at the time in September uh, when it was gifted to him, it was $25.57 ah. a share. So
0: here's the here's the rub. When someone gifts an asset— Right? So let's say he was on his deathbed and says, I want you to have this today. Take this. The co- His cost basis, whatever he paid for it, will carry forward to whoever he gifted it to. So when you received these shares, when your kids received these it shares— It didn't
1: matter what it was trading for on that day.
0: Yes. On the other hand, okay. had he passed away and his estate, either through a will or a trust, directed these shares to go to your yourself and your kids, at that moment— under the law back then, which is current law today, his cost basis is irrelevant, and your cost basis gets stepped up to the current
1: market value, which would have been twenty five bucks a share. But okay, now every dividend that was paid out, you paid taxes on it, and it went back and bought more shares. So the tax or cost basis is whatever the value it was the day. Your gr-
0: dad bought it. Bought which, it. It's almost nothing, probably. And then
1: any of the dividend reinvestments that he had all the way along the time. And then any d- reinvest- dividend reinvestments you've had over, what, the last 25 years? So <laughs> yeah. in saying this, the chances of you actually figuring out it's the not, cost it's basis impossible. are impossible. If you were sitting in my I'm office, my- I would tell you, if you were sitting in my office, I would say, John... Your dad was a good man. He did the right thing. Uh we the, the you didn't do the record keeping correct. Sell the shares, send the money to the kids, guess on the cost basis, pay taxes on it and call it a day. That's how I would do it.
0: If I were in the situation, yeah, if I what well, what if the plan Are you trying to just get the shares in the kids' name or are you trying to cash out on these?
3: Well, actually, what what I wanted to do is just put it into each child's uh, yeah, that's individual right. name that's, so that they have it. That's yeah. what I got well, out I can't of it. Then, Why bother? I just pay the to take. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's just easier. It's just
1: so much easier just to to liquidate the things and then cash the checks and do what you want with it. And well, particularly okay. if they're in a lower, if they're they odds $3, are 3,500. dollars Scott, I know that's for a lot of people. They're like 3,500. What are you talking about? Look at the the record keeping hasn't been done right the whole time. And if you gave your son or daughter thirty five hundred dollars today, would you think they'd buy Coca-Cola stock with it?
3: Well, probably not. <laughs>
1: okay. Which is which is one of the arguments why they shouldn't own it today. Like, okay. I kind of like the idea, of just cash it out and say, look, kids, I,
0: don't go spend this. Put the, invest these dollars. That's what I would do. Okay. And, and what if happens not, if i not, put, if not got, to a
1: Roth? Haven't put that in a Roth IRA? Yes, and it's Coke. It's Coca Cola. It's a sugary drink. It could be outlawed at <laughs> any point in time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Particularly at Bloomberg because
1: the <laughs> I nomination. didn't go that far. <laughs>
3: well, yeah. because it was from my dad. What I was thinking is get the accounts into the children uh, yeah, into my it's, uh, it's, into their name individually, and then I was thinking of taking. The stock that had been that I've been accumulating, and then give it to them. Well, that
1: that would be a mistake. That would be a mistake. That
3: would be a mistake. Yeah. With it,
1: Why would took, it be a mistake to give them the shares? His shares. Yes. Well, would, you would.
0: There's and prob- that
3: way they'd have over a hundred shares, and I thought that would start to help them see the difference, and that would be a way to help. Are they are they, they high income earners?
0: Their- You're they high income earners? Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, no. All right. They probably will
0: pay nothing on capital gain taxes. Yeah. <laughs> the reality is, and I, w- if they were my kids, I were in your situation, I would do exactly. I would sell the thing, and I'd say, "Look, you're going to get a check for thirty five hundred bucks, whatever please, it's going to be." Please buy
1: the S and P five hundred. Yeah,
0: put it in a Roth IRA and put it in the S and P five
1: hundred, and call today.
3: Okay, you're making That's this thing. What I would do. You're making That's this what
1: thing, John. You're making this thing.
3: Sell everything off, and then I deal would. With That's it. right. It's
0: just not that it's such a small amount. It's not. It's not going to trigger. And when Problem. it comes to taxes, I would take what's called a swag, a statistical wild guess. Okay. <laughs> and for tax purposes, <laughs> right? And I'm
3: it, good at that. Well,
0: what happens? And, I'd, and look, I'd be honest about it. I try to kind of figure it out. I know that when you inherited the stock, it was the cost base was probably next to nothing. The, what the IRS says that if you can't prove your cost basis, then they'll assume a cost basis of zero. I would, if I were in your situation, I would guess at it. I'd come up with a reasonable guess. I'd list that down. If the IRS wanted to challenge me on it, and then maybe I
1: would do a little bit more research and maybe I just say the cost basis but is it, zero. odds
0: are your kids are in they're not going to be any capital gains, even if the cost base was zero. Yeah. So, so that's, I wouldn't make it any more complicated than that. You're, I you're don't making know this
1: much more difficult than, I EVC. don't know
0: anyone frankly, who's been audited. Um, Cause we've, this we've, hundreds of times seen oh, stuff like this. Hundreds. Hundreds and hundreds. Just, just, take a, just be, try to be honest as possible on it. Yeah. So glad right. you called, John. Appreciate uh, the call. Appreciate the call. Let's uh, continue on here at All Worth's Money Matters. We are in Ohio talking with Janine. Janine, you're with Scott Hansen and Pat McLean of All Worth's Money Matters.
4: Hi there. Yeah, I'm needing your expertise. I've got a very sticky situation. Uh, my husband and I had taken out Parent PLUS loans for both of our children to go through college and now here we are it's time to start paying um i'm just really wanting an unbiased opinion on should my husband and i look at ways of keeping this in our names and working through it with the kids contributing what they can or do we go ahead and get the kids to uh refinance in their own names
1: can you do that Thing. I don't think do you mean? can just get your name wiped off it. They might re, but um, refinancing it though is, is an option, which What's is replacing the, one it, loan with the interest, another.
0: The interest rate of what about 7%? Yeah. Okay. So 7%. Yep, it's so it's a high rate, particularly in today's market. How much uh, is, yep. what are the balances on these?
4: Um, Both of them together about 175.
1: 107. So 80, 80. 80 Ninety thousand a piece each one of the kids. Is that what I heard? And yeah, just just for context, you and your uh spouse make a lot of money, little money. Are you rolling in it? Yeah. You-
4: no, we are not rolling in it. No, we are average Americans.
1: So, what's your uh, approximate annual income? Oh, about
4: one hundred and thirty.
1: All right. A year. And how about these kids, these wonderful children of yours? <laughs> uh, well they've graduated, they both, they have they found gainful yeah. employment?
4: They're both employed.
1: And okay. what's their approximate income? Guess if they haven't shared it with them.
4: Um one's about a eighty thousand and one's about a sixty thousand.
0: Okay. So they can own this. Yeah, they can own this. Was that the plan originally?
4: That was the plan originally, yeah. yes. They Either should... they were going to um, help us pay it or it's the thing with, um, you know, if with a with a Parent PLUS loan. Um, my husband and I are you know, in our late 50s. So it's our understanding that this goes away upon one of our deaths. <laughs> that was one reason we thought, you know.
1: I don't know. I don't know that.
0: Is that right?
4: Yeah, it seems to be from what All right, I. Which
1: understand. one of you is going to be? Someone's going to have <laughs> to fall on the sword here. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. It doesn't sound right to me, but I don't know. I'd be surprised if that, in fact, were the case. That they would. I have never the loan. read
0: or heard that, so it's a, it's brand first time I've heard this before. Yes, and I'm okay. not. We're, neither one of us are experts in. Um, Parent plus loans?
1: Assuming that is not the case, I would refinance these into my kids' names and call it a day and let it be part of their learning and growing experience. And if, if you, you need if they can refinance them. Yeah. I would certainly okay. look at that. Yes. And, and my
0: concern, if I were you, my concern would be down the road something happens, they're not paying and it's a lot of debt. It's,
1: 7%, it's a right. lot of money every so
0: year. So if
1: you can get it off your books and onto theirs alone without you as a, any sort of a signature on this loan, then you want to do so. If you can't, just tell your kids they need to make the, the payments on there. And if you have to step in at some point in time, step in at some point in time. Look, the chances uh, that the kids are going to inherit money from you are probably pretty high but no need to give it to them early if it may affect your standard of living in retirement. That's the reality. Right. All right. And
4: Well, that's great. So, refinance in n- the kids' name if we can. If you if, can. If you can
1: I'm and if it does have that provision that. that it goes away at first death, then you could keep it in your names and have them make payments on it. But I that it, it, that doesn't sound right to me.
4: Yeah. And it's still we're looking at a high interest rate right
1: oh, now. Oh, it's so. unbelievably yeah. high. It's extremely expensive relative to the marketplace. So they may have options of refinancing into lower cost uh, options as well. So that's where I'd go with it. Okay.
4: All right. All right. Well, thank you so. All
1: right. Thanks. All right, Janine.
0: Thanks Louis for Chabelle.
1: calling.
0: Yeah, and you know it's it's these student loan programs. <clears throat> they're so easy to get the loans without. People fully understanding what the implications are. The provisions of the loans. I mean, if you're gonna go if your refrigerator breaks and you decide to go to Best Buy to buy a new refrigerator or wherever you choose to go, you're gonna look at the different models, you're gonna figure out the features, you're gonna keep, keep curious about what kind of warranty there is. Do you wanna wanna know how this is going to impact your life. And if things don't go quite well, what are your options there? And we're talking about a purchase that's what? Thousand bucks, two thousand bucks. I haven't bought a refrigerator in a long time, but I imagine somewhere right. between there. I would assume, right, for yep. a refrigerator, a nice refrigerator. Okay, but yet people take out loans for
1: tens of thousands of dollars and not quite understand the provisions of the loan. So you know, it'll be interesting to watch our, um, you in know, this, in, our- in this uh, in this presidential um, cycle. You, there is such a dichotomy, uh, and I'm not going to weigh in on one or the other. But we've been telling our clients, you know, for the last couple of years, there may not be a huge reason to want to accelerate payments on your loans. Yeah, I don't I mean I don't think that's going to happen. Quite probably. frankly, well, and loan forgiveness. I
0: mean, the cha- If I, if they if it ever gets there, I'd certainly like to see them deal with the problem problem is all these easily obtainable student loans regardless of whether somebody has what regardless of what the income ability of what, it, what of the cover of the major yes you can study the most obscure liberal arts thing you could study and spend 150 grand 250 grand
1: borrow most of it yes. and you'll never get a job or design or hair or makeup or the list goes on
0: and it's driven up tuition costs. Yes. And there, there is nothing wrong. I Look, I went to junior college. It took me, well, I took a year off, but it took me four years to get through junior college. And I worked. I had a little business that I started to get me. And frankly, the lessons I learned, now I missed out on the Kagers when I was 19. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I missed out on some of those. How, oh, not the whole college experience. <laughs> no, I never lived in a dorm. Yes. I missed out on some of those things. And- like look, I said I said earlier in the program that my daughter's in grad school at DU. I they, I they were they've been very fortunate that they went to both but, went to university. But if that and wasn't the ex-
1: case, then so be it.
0: I would not jeopardize my own financial future
1: to make sure or that they had the
0: jeopardize their financial future to make sure they had a college experience. It's not worth it.
1: Wait, wait, Scott. If you go to college, you have a college experience. You don't have a stereotypical college experience.
0: I guess I think the experience I had of trying to figure out how I'm going to
1: pay And junior college is almost free. Look, I got married my sophomore year, so I get it. And by the way, I had only gone to one fraternity party and pretty much I think I was blackballed after that. (laughs) 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 I just had no interest and you had to work. And so anyway, the, the idea that every student has to take the same path. Um and their kids, I do Look, there's the some
0: thing. listeners now that your kids just got acceptance letters. Yes. Congratulations. Don't, but don't sacrifice. F- I mean...
1: Don't sacrifice.
0: You don't want them to suddenly be 24 years old and think, how am I going to pay this $150,000 back?
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, 833-99-WORTH is the number to be part of our program here. We're in Northern California talking with Debbie. Debbie, you're with All Worth's Money Matters.
5: Hi there. How are you? Hi, Debbie. Hi. Pardon me. I have a quick question. My husband and I own two parcels of land. Uh, They're adjacent to each other, two separate parcels. One has our home on it, and the other is vacant. My question is, I'm concerned about capital gains if I sell the vacant property to pay off my mortgage on my current home. Okay. Would I... If I use the funds um, that I sold, the the empty property, the the vacant property to pay off my mortgage, would there be a capital gain issue? Yes.
2: Yes.
1: It may not be as bad as you think. But there would be capital gains on, there could be, and probably is capital gains. So what did you pay for the parcel? Not what did you borrow?
5: I I inherited it, and it's free and clear.
1: When did you inherit it?
5: In twenty seventeen. Oh, oh, perfect. Easy. Okay.
0: <laughs> Do you know what the value was when you inherited it? Was oh. there an appraisal done?
5: Yes, there was,
1: and it was about two fifty for and the what, parcel. And what would you what would you sell it for today?
5: It's two acres. I could probably get three seventy five. You mean the in the last
0: end. in the last three years that piece of property went from two fifty to three seventy five?
5: It's an exquisite locked in. It's not locked in, but it's an exquisite piece of property that but, is
0: would so be how,
1: very. Why wasn't it worth more? I mean, that, the, that's it's a big run up in a relatively short period of time.
5: Well, it is. It's because where I live, there's not a lot of rural empty land available, and people did, are wanting it.
0: Did you get a a a a real appraisal done three years ago? Because it, that it was
5: app- through the probate attorney.
0: And it was sounds uh, low. It just sounds low. So here's the here's the rub. What well, this is good and bad. When you inherit an asset, and we had talked about this earlier in the program. When you inherit an asset, you receive it with the cost basis stepped up to the fair market value on the date of death.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Or it's what nine months after if someone uses an, an alternative, alternative alter- date of death. Yeah. It's probably too late to to use. So um, my our question is: If it was less than three years ago, did did the property change that much in? Did the circumstances around your area change such that this property went from two hundred and fifty to three hundred and seventy-five? Which means
1: it went up by fifty percent in the last two and a half yes. years. Yes.
5: Yes. Okay. Yes. There's okay. been a, a small custom home track. That sells, one acre parcels for okay. two hundred and ninety eight. Okay. There
1: 000. we go. So all right yes, So yeah. if you used a broker <clears throat> to sell this property, you're gonna assume about five to six percent. So about twenty mm-hmm. grand, uh, right around there. You you inherited it at uh, you sell it at three seventy five. How much do you own your house? Uh two
5: seventy. Okay. No, I I'm sorry. I'm sorry, we just redid it. It's three twenty.
2: All right. And how old are you?
5: I am sixty-one. Are you retired? No, not yet. My husband and I are both about four or five years away.
1: Right. And how much money in cash do you have in the bank?
5: About forty thousand.
1: Okay, So we and have
5: I, we have a you know Roth um, and four hundred one ks.
0: So, you, would you like your house paid off going into retirement? Yes, that's the whole.
1: Goal. Okay, so so you would have gain on this. You'd you'd probably pay about twenty five thousand dollars in gain so you'd net at the end of it when it three was three and all, a
0: quarter or something
1: yeah uh, uh probably right about there three and a quarter and you put that immediately against the house i do it in a second i would too i wouldn't even wait okay. until i wouldn't i would hang up and call a realtor and say <laughs> list this because well, i tell you what land particularly like this it
0: can be highly volatile it, as and so as yeah. seen yes <laughs> right so if things slow suddenly land that people have to do all this work and stuff and they got to pay the permits to get the house that, right that stuff i i remember back before the financial crisis in the midst of the financial crisis i've got a, a friend of mine who his career has been uh, large land track appraisals that's what he's done mm-hmm. so you know you'll see the home builders go in and buy a huge chunk of land and put a couple hundred homes on it or whatever that's yes. what he would appraise the value of this he told me he, he was a little freaking out because he had to get, report back to a client who had hired him for this appraisal. A 90,
1: I'm not kidding here, 97% decline in value. That's because the chances of it being developed have been pushed off years and the carry cost was high. The carry cost because you got yeah, still got to pay yeah. the property taxes. So, and- I, Debbie, this is a blessing to you. This fits in well. <laughs> now, remember this, right? Who inherited the property, you or your husband?
5: I did, and then had it changed into both of our names.
1: Okay, so you changed it. Anytime you inherit or receive a gift of anything, stocks, bonds, Mm -hmm. cash, land, it's considered separate property until you commingle it with your significant other. Okay. You already commingled it with your significant other.
5: I did the first parcel. Not the one I'm wanting to sell has not been commingled. Okay,
1: so if you... Um, if you sell this and then pay down your mortgage, you are effectively commingling it. Okay. So there are ways around that, in which case you would want to visit an attorney and figure out yes. how to keep this separate Wh- while paying how, down the mortgage. How would
5: that change the? If you ever got a divorce, games? it wouldn't
1: change the capital gains at all. It would if you He's ever if, talk about if if you're okay. You know, and I don't live in your marriage. I mean, mine's perfect um
5: <laughs> mine's pretty darn good too
1: well I mean if it's I think I Pat, mean, for for her
0: uh, Pat, I mean I think you know Pat particularly likes to always bring this up because we've just seen enough situations over the years that um
1: I'm not saying but but a good advisor would give you this counsel yeah that's right you um look. that you you may want to consult with an attorney to keep it separate property if you use the proceeds from the sale of this property to pay down the mortgage because you took separate property and commingled it as community property. But I think mm-hmm. it's a great planning, and I think you should sit down with a financial advisor and plan on retiring And you said, three, four, five years and have them do a financial plan to see what that looks like in conjunction as paying down this mortgage. Okay. We love the concept. I
5: have, a great, I have a great financial advisor who works for your company, okay. and I will do that with him. <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. <laughs>
5: Thank you for your uh, help. I okay. really appreciate and, it. And
0: by the way, so we're, our securities rules are such that we cannot take testimonials. So this is not indicative of all clients, and there are probably many clients that are very unsatisfied with
1: us. But Debbie happens to be happy. <laughs>
0: Accordingly. And she received no compensation for the comment. Yeah. And I don't know
1: what other legal dis- disclosure we made. And we didn't ask her in. to call the show either. Yeah. It was just, just, I didn't know she was a client are a big
0: But we are big fans of people getting to retirement with their home paid off. Because when you don't have that mortgage payment, you need less income coming in. And the predictability. <laughs> the and if volatility. you need less income, it means you need less assets that are in secure investments. You need... You don't need as much money. Money not
1: going out is exactly the same as money coming in. Money not leaving the house is exactly yes. the same. So as unless money you've not got anyway, we're out of time.
0: Uh, we Certainly enjoyed having you with us this week. If you've to via podcast, we always appreciate when people go and make a um, uh, give us a um, review on it. So we'll see you next week. This has been all worth money matters.